Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker podcast. This is episode 39, but it's also a special episode. The special episode alarm is calling. I hear it. It says, this one's quite special. Uh, (laughs) It's a creepy alarm. (laughs) We are here to chat about some of our favourite games of 2020. Our games of the year, you might say. Mm. Oh my Um, goodness. You may have seen the video that we've got on the YouTube channel. You may have read some of the articles on the website um, where we're chatting about kind of our individual uh, favourite games of the year. But here we'll be kind of covering some of the stuff we couldn't discuss there uh, just because of space reasons, really, and going through some of the games we've enjoyed in 2020. You know, the parts of 2020 we managed to enjoy uh, between (laughs) everything else. Or in case you only ever listen to the podcast and never watch any of the rest of our stuff or read any of the rest of the stuff, now you'll find out. Yeah. That tiny, tiny circle on the Venn diagram just over here. Um, I am very delighted to be joined by the entire Dicebreaker team. Mm. Hey. Oof. Is this a podcast first? I think it is, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I think the first yeah, podcast may have yeah. had us all on. It's too much chaos. No, I don't think No, yeah, really. I'm not sure yeah. it was. Yeah. I, oh, right. I think this is... Uh, this is a, a red letter day. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic. In, it's about to be bought by Peter Jones. Um, <laughs> that's such a terrible, terrible reference. When you said red letter day, Wheels, I know what that means, but it took me a few seconds and I was like, is it a day when you receive a red envelope in the post? And then I was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And then I kept going in my head and now I understand. I only so know about that phrase because of Half-Life 2, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm in a better boat, but yeah. Uh, we'll introduce ourselves. Uh, let's go around. Johnny, thank you for being here. Hello, it is I, Johnny Chiodini. I'm head of video at Dicebreaker and I am overjoyed to be here. Although I was thinking this morning, about how long it's been since I played Crokinole. And then I started thinking mm. about the Office Crokinole board, which we've played oh. once. <laughs> like once, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Because yeah. I was thinking about, yeah, this this year and just and just like trying to come up with some of my favourite board games. It's like, this, this has been a great year for releases, but that just means I've got a whole bunch of games that I've never played on my shelf waiting. <laughs> just waiting. Yeah. But apart from that, I'm well. Hello. Yeah. Oh good. Yeah, I feel like Crokinole is the game of the year every oh, yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah. Since yeah, the yeah. 1860s. For the last 300 <laughs> yeah. years, yeah. Uh of course, we're also joined by Alex Lowlies. Hello Lowlies. Welcome back. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me. Um in case you were wondering and I know you all were wondering what the bingo call is for episode 39. It's 39 steps. <laughs> that's it and it gives you it gives you an explanation and it goes from the 39 steps yeah yeah. (laughs) oh thank you (laughs) I feel like that's a Simpsons joke oh my god that's it like we had 38 (laughs) I don't know surely I thought it was a play right I I would have thought I would have thought that bingo would be older than the 39 steps it probably is, but or maybe you know, like maybe like bingo callers aren't older than the thirty-nine steps. Yeah, but also they probably upgrade them all the oh, time. Oh yeah, right? gotta make them modern. You know, there's <laughs> modern references like them. the thirty-nine steps. Ooh, yeah. Kids don't want number references; they want cool Hitchcock films from the current era. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe bingo is sponsored by the thirty-nine steps. <laughs> now and uh, quick, quick yeah. canvas. What century do you think bingo was invented? In what century do you think Bingo was invented? Ooh. 1700s. 19th. 18th. I think the 18th. 
Yeah, I think the 1800s. 16th yeah. century, so 1700s. Oh. Whoa! Wow. There you go. Was it just like a load of lamb knuckles? That's <laughs> yeah. Like because dice <laughs> yeah, yeah, started they, they out they were, as like knuckles. Yeah, right? it's so, like uh, it's, well, is they're it just balls, though, aren't they? Hmm. Um, oh, I've tried to find some like that, that haven't just been you know aren't just meat offcuts because obviously once you roast a bone, it's no good for making dice out of. But yeah, I was trying to make some macabre d6s and it didn't work because I haven't found any. I'm just gonna have to take to be honest, up hunting. You can, um... <laughs> you could probably make bingo pretty easily with a bag of some stuff, as long as everyone's got like a card that lists all of the stuff in a random yeah, order. Yeah. That's more of a tombola, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. When the uh, when the apocalypse comes and we have nothing left except scraps, at least we can play bingo. Yeah, 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 with the bones of our enemies. Bingo. Yeah, bingo is a good game. It is. To be fair, I can. I can see why it yeah. survived mm. this long. Well, Game I mean, of the Year, Crocodile, 20, yeah. guys. I literally Game just got year, into 2020. Bingo as well after Disney <laughs> Drag Bingo opened my eyes. Oh, wow. And now, yeah. and now 2020. I'm so there you also go. a big fan of bingo cards when you're watching things. Yes. Yeah. Like Blues Brothers, yeah. like a square if they jump over a cop car or whatever. Or like shot-related bingo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll try and finish the introductions. <laughs> <laughs> Wheels, yeah. hello. Hello. <laughs> Matt, there's five of us. Like it's no... I know. This is this I is why you can only do but... this once yeah. a year. Train wreck comes but once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello, uh, is I, Michael Whelan Wheels, as I am so called on the podcast. Uh I'm the other video producer who is an underling of Johnny Chiadini, our, <laughs> our <laughs> great dungeon lord. You have to we you have to minions. defeat me and Lolies in a boss fight before you can reach Johnny. And his chambers. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> uh, and of course, last but not least, Alex Meehan. Hey, I'm staff writer for Dicebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you have to defeat me, you'll have to come to Trashfire Land. Because that's oh, where that I am right me? now. There you go. <laughs> Isn't that just 2020, yes. though? Mm. Trashfire Land. Yeah, yeah, Aren't yeah. Aren't we all in Trashfire Land? Oh, it does yeah, look this... cosy, though, me and that little trash fire you got cooking up next to you. <laughs> it's the only way I can keep warm in my flat. Yeah. <laughs> Guess all the Wieners games over didn't it. get good enough score. This time of year, uh, more than any, I'm fully embracing my persona as a, as a London orphan uh, <laughs> living by the trash fire. Uh, in Victorian eras. There you go. Uh, either, either, either an orphan or a, um, what was it? Some sort of hag. I can't remember. <laughs> no. A waif, a, a, a stray, a stray waif. Who knows? Uh, and who are you, <laughs> mysterious and beleaguered stranger? <laughs> I'm Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor in chief of Dicebreaker, and I'm here to try and corral this lot into talking about the best games of 2020. Remember? <laughs> Good luck. Well, we're congratulations seven and a half to Game of the Year. Sixteen hundred. And that's that's just the intros. Yep. Nailed it. So, oh, yeah, but it's a different yeah. episode. You know, we haven't got news to talk about, so you know, we've got to we've got to yeah. find our time in other places. We've got to make Flesh the news. Mm. We are yeah. the news. Headlines. When was Bingo invented? Bingo. Yeah, bingo. <laughs> oh, we should blatantly do a bingo card for this episode once it's recorded. Yeah. Oh, for I'm sure. Write that down. Wait, does that work? Because we already know what's Well, it's no, it's for, it's for people to <laughs> watch or listen along with. For the audience. You know how our jobs are to yeah, make no, things but... for other people? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Hold on, hold on. You, you do a bingo card, you make a bingo card because you don't know what's coming and you reckon you can predict. 
Not not because you already know the content. No, of the you're episode. right. Fun. <laughs> Let's not have any. Let's well. <laughs> bingo card. Just, huh? I don't know how that would work. <laughs> uh, if you've got your bingo card, audience, just tick off the square that says wheels just If we did if we did the bingo card now, it would work. But if we already know what's coming, then it's it's it's, it's more of a okay. it's more yeah. of a list on, of contents. Put on, um, the bingo card wheels is pedantic. <laughs> yeah. Johnny cries because Wheels makes cries. him cry. Not really. I don't know about no. cries. <laughs> well, we're gonna get there. No, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming what's gonna happen in, in the future. Oh, we see. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, you think this is, wow. this is the big well, episode when Johnny yeah. cries? Um, wow. Now Matt tries to get things back on. Rail. Oh, oh, me and does her turn around? Didn't do it during the, the intro. Podcast. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. yeah. Which is why uh, I laughed. She might do it, yeah. See, that, that is anymore. an example of something that somebody would put on a bingo card and they would be like, oh, damn, I didn't cross it off. But you already know it yes, hasn't right. happened. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yikes. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> All right, let's talk about some board games, yes, shall we, please. rather than squabbling among ourselves. Oh, oh <laughs> here's another one. But... The gang don't talk about board games. <laughs> <laughs> we'll ask someone on Twitter to make a dice break of bingo cards. <laughs> 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 What is that? Gosh, haunting. <laughs> it's the uh, Always Sunny. It's the gang doesn't oh, talk about board games. Oh. Yeah, a title card. <laughs> Just thought it sounded like a bit like a sad dog. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Whelan. That's a me. A sad dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we... Yeah. Oh, Michael Whelan. Sad dog. Whelan. <laughs> this podcast will be a little bit different from the usual ones, although not that different, it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> um, in the there's no news there's no what we've been playing instead we're going to just kind of go through some of the games that we have played this year they're not in any particular order um, is worth saying because they're kind of in the order we remembered them in and <laughs> couldn't be bothered to find release dates um, so we're just going to go through and kind of chat about what we thought of each of them it will include our games of the year proper um, our kind of ultimate winners for each of us um, but you can find out more about those on the video uh, on the YouTube channel which you might be watching now or on the website um, so these will kind of be more little little bite-sized um, about chocolates. So let's let's kick off. I'm actually gonna immediately drop these two down a little bit. Mm. Let's kick off with a game that I think we all love. Um, and uh, we had to essentially agree that only one of us could pick it as our game of the year because I think there's a good chance we might have all picked it. Mm. Um, which is uh, that you could be talking about several games right now. Yeah, so I don't even... fair enough. Okay, <laughs> I, the game I am talking about is The Crew. Hey, I love it. It's that's so a good, good game. It's the the end. Move on. <laughs> Tick. Yeah. Wow. But yes, Johnny, this was your game of the year. Your ultimate. Yeah, game I mean, for twenty twenty, what an absolute delight. It, yeah, it was my game of the year. Um, partly because I mean, I went into this year really wanting to play it because we played it for the very first time at. Um, Pax Unplugged in December and mm-hmm. instantly it was like, I just, I want it. I just, I need it. Like the first thing we played, right? Say again? First thing we played. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? So it was, um, yeah. Playing it with, um, like, well, the three, it was, oh, yes. Oh, that's, sorry. The first game we played. That's what you said. I thought you said that's when we yeah, played, Pax, right? Sorry, I was yeah. like, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was, yeah. It was the first game we played at the show and it was the best game <laughs> I played at the show because, apart from Crocodile. Um, because it was just um, like there's lovely, lovely teamwork. There's sort of like tension and intrigue. You're not allowed to talk, which is a really fun thing. It's basically like it takes everything that's good about the mind and makes it infinitely better. Um, 
And I think Johnny probably enjoyed it even more the fact that Wheels couldn't talk during the game. <laughs> wow, that's wow. that is. I mean, Lonely. it's unfair that you brought that up, whether or not that's an accurate statement. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that was uh, tremendous. And it's just lovely. And, like, obviously, the amount of time we've had with our friends around the table this year has been limited. But um, I showed it to my friends, and they were instant converts. Um, and, you know, we just had so many lovely moments of incredible tension where it was like, can we do this one? Can we do this one? Can we do this mission? And then everyone absolutely roaring when the right card got played. Um like at one point, we genuinely didn't think we could win. In the very last cards, the very last possible chance we had to to win, uh, I played it just as uh, Ground Control to Major Tom kicked off, and it was it was tops <laughs> off around the room. Everyone was just like everyone went bonkers. Um, I love it. It's just yeah, wholesome, great design, great theme. Get to pretend to be a spaceman. We, sh- we should also disclaimer that um. Uh, Johnny's house is, is made, made entirely of <laughs> yeah the running joke and and he <laughs> gone he is planning to make a conservatory so he does have a vested interest in them you know printing more this so is true. You know, uh, yeah the <laughs> journalistic well I, I I pre-ordered two copies because I was like you know some games he's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna want this but I'm also gonna want to lend it to people and yada 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 I was like just so I always have access to a copy I'll buy a second copy and then I gave one of the copies away because I know what I'm like gave it away at PAX East to one of the PAX team. Uh, so I bought another one. And I think that's okay. I think it's fine to have bought three copies of The Crew and Counting. <laughs> I think it just speaks to... It's a, it's a bit of a running joke, isn't it? It is nice to have like a sort of backup reserve of your favourite game to... Because hmm. there, there's been times where I'm like, oh, you would absolutely love this game. You should definitely get a copy. And then my friend has been like, oh, it's it's like sold out everywhere. And I'm like, oh, I wish I wish I had one to give to yeah. you because like, this game was made mm. for you. But obviously I'm not going to give you well, one. Well, sometimes uh, you'll, so- <laughs> you'll buy a game you know your friend has because it's like, well, if I've got it, then if we fancy it, we're, we're more likely to have it nearby. Like I do that yes. a lot. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this game is brilliant. I'm going to make sure I've got it as well so we can play it whenever we want. Mm. Just stashing one in every friend's house. Mm-hmm. So you can just walk over to the mattress, cut it open and pull one yeah. out. Just like an emergency stash of the Just crew. punch through the drywall and pull out a copy of Cosmic Frog. <laughs> Who's ready to enter Dimension Zero? Well, speaking of Cosmic Frog, let's move straight over to Alex Lowley's, who chose Cosmic Frog as your favourite game of this here year. I did, I did. I mean, you've mentioned it already, I think, or we've mentioned it already. There's there's a few games, I think pretty much all the games that have been chosen by us this year are games that, like, any of us mm-hmm. could have chosen because we, like, we all... There was just some really strong contenders for this year. And Cosmic Frog was one of those where Johnny and I were almost, like, in fisticuffs. <laughs> I wish, I wish I had um, tried to pull rank and say, no, I'll take Cosmic Frog, because you've had a copy now for ages, and I've got it on pre-order. And it's not coming until like January or February next year, so it'll be my game oh, of the year no. next year. <laughs> <laughs> I pa- I've painted my frogs oh, and everything. Go! I did that on one of the paintings. Give. Slowly, um, stop flaunting your frogs, <laughs> Johnny. Oh, it's unbecoming just, of a lady. <laughs> I have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no, carry on. Anyway, it's it's just a fantastic game. Like if I Cosmic Encounter uh, was one of the kind of first games I played when I got into modern tabletop games um, and I really enjoyed it because for anyone who doesn't know Cosmic Encounter it's a game where you um, are just get to be a massive meanie to other people um, 
by like attacking them with your spaceships and and like uh, making alliances and breaking those alliances and all that kind of thing. And Cosmic Frog has taken that. It's it's got a lot of similarities, mm. but it's taken that um, and it's just put frogs <laughs> in there and it's just made it like really absurd. Um, and I really enjoy that. Like it's got that same kind of like probably like even better um, kind of seventies art style. Um, what's that like a magic eye? Is that what that's? Yeah, like, it's that kind of like magic eye meets like uh, like acid wave kind of art style. Yeah. Um, and it's just you get these massive frogs and you get this beautiful neoprene mat that you play on and the the you're you're playing as frogs who are like eating part of this planet and like punching each other as well though at the same time you can punch each other and pull bits of earth out to eat them yourself um and if you really hit a frog hard you you kick it into a different dimension (laughs) (laughs) and so (laughs) i've never really hit a frog hard well you haven't lived because you can send them like four dimensions over and one of the things i really like about this game is that the turn order is determined by drawing cards um and so if you if you're all in another dimension every time your card is drawn you get to store it so when you return sure you were punted into a different dimension but you come back with like four goes to take and you just wreck everyone up it is good yeah, and you all have like special abilities that are secret yes. as well. So I I can't even remember what any of them. But I, I think some of them make you like better yeah. at fighting other frogs, and some of them, um, yeah, it's like real frogs. That's the main one I remember. <laughs> there there yeah. were a few cards where we picked them up and we went what? Mm. <laughs> like I feel like no every way. time we picked up a new card, we we're like, wait, what? And it just kept like it. Just all of the cards are like equally as good as each other. I just love everything about it. I love the artwork. I love the theme. I um, Obviously, it, it's kind of got similarities to another game that I already really like. So it's um, it was kind of an easy one for me this year uh, to take a top spot. And like, you know, weird and wonderful. What's mm. not to love? I do. I have to um, admit that not only did I not realize... Uh, like, I feel stupid for not only not realizing the similarities between Cosmic Frog and Cosmic Encounter... Uh, but also not realising, of course, Slowly's would absolutely love Cosmic Encounter. Uh, I can't believe I hadn't thought <laughs> of that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a game. Um, I do. It's one of those games, though, that because um, there's so many different roles, um, it can like play completely different, and mm. it can be like a, quite a lot, especially if you're like starting out in board games. And I remember, I remember feeling like it was quite a lot of the time. Um, I haven't played in ages. Because it's just one of those games you do kind of sit down. You do need to take like some time to to play, and you do need to play with people who um who don't mind getting aggressive. Mm. <laughs> yeah. and, a uh, game well, that's um come out this year, I believe it came out this year. Uh, that I might be getting for Christmas. <gasps> if Father Christmas is is feeling Oh God, generous are you dropping hints? Are we supposed to be doing this? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, my the dads are sweating. <laughs> presumably doing this. Um, that uh, called Cosmic Encounter Duel. Um, oh. oh yeah, which is a two-player version of Cosmic Encounter uh, that came out this year. Matt, yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, yeah, that I spotted and I was like, okay, I really want to try this because I really like Cosmic Encounter. Uh, it's one of the first games I played as well, Lolis. And um, if you can set it up right, then new players don't get too overwhelmed because there are certain aliens that are better for uh, yeah. beginner games than uh, more challenging ones. Uh, but obviously, yeah. with the current pandemic and living with just one other person, having a two-player version of that sounds really 
interesting. So yeah, you'll have to tell me how it is. I will if if I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, like, I think one of my favorite things about Cosmic Frog, and especially now that I've made the connection in my head, um, is that like. Uh, I do feel very stupid. Uh, (laughs) Is that one of the things about Cosmic Encounter is that you, you know, you have all this massive selection of different races that you can play as, and then you pick one, and then you're just kind of locked in for the rest of the game unless you play like, you know, one or two of them, which can sort of swap. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. But with Cosmic Frog, like you can shed your skin whenever you want, right? And you can just, you'll be like, ah, I'm bored of the skill. I want a new one. Or sometimes, Mm -hmm. literally, there will be some kind of wave of mutation or something, and it's like, you have to change your card unless you want to pay for it kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it does force you to sort of like flick through all of them and that state is always changing, which is really fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Sure. I, I not played Cosmic Frog. It's meant. It's oh. chaos at its finest. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but that, that element particularly sounds interesting. The fact mm. that you can change your abilities throughout the game. You're not just stuck with, with the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Nice. Uh, we will move on to the next game on this list, um, which is a game that kind of came out last year, um, but properly <laughs> came out this year that we uh, all played, which is Cyberpunk Red. Mm. Um, so if you've seen the YouTube channel, you have seen us playing with co-designer Cody Pondsmith um, multiple times now, um, causing all kinds of chaos. Oh, um, yes. And definitely not doing That's what I want to do. real bad things to for that world <laughs> at no point Gosh, did i accidentally things. release a plague uh, that is slant still can't believe you did that <laughs> but, uh, so we we last year we played um at pax unplugged in fact we pay, played the jumpstart mm-hmm. kit um for cyberpunk red and this year the full core rulebook has come out uh, which we then played with cody um for pax online mm-hmm. um and so disclaimer we i think most of us have only very recently received the full rule book. Yeah, mine turned out. Uh, yeah, two say, we've only played the jumpstart kit so yeah. far. So we haven't gone through in massive detail, but we've we've obviously played with those rules. Mm. Um and I had I'd never really played a Cyberpunk before playing with Cody mm. um properly. I actually I own twenty twenty but I'd never got around to playing it. I just happened to own it and flicked through. Um but I I've really enjoyed it. I think that world is really interesting. I think the way that it handles net running, which is something that I did with my character, mm. um, was really well handled. Um, it didn't seem to interrupt the flow, despite it almost being like a split the party mechanic mm. built into it. Mm. Um, but I always felt like I was still part of the group, even though I was in cyberspace, kind of cracking through different. Layers. That's one of the biggest changes, and it's it's the most significant and the most the most welcome, to be honest. Because before you you could have been in. Um, you know, in another part of the city, just talking to us over Comlink. Um, and it's still a thing in Shadowrun, like um, where the the Decker is, you know, basically like they're in the van outside, but they are to all intents and purposes like physically comatose. And so you end up wanting to babysit them or leaving them incredibly vulnerable. Whereas you were like a part of the action around us and it made the stuff you were encountering feel more present to us as well. It's like, okay, we can't see this demon you're fighting but or trying to slip past or whatever, but if you get this wrong, it's going to have very real consequences for us. And it just, yeah, it felt so much more immediate, and I really liked that. Hmm. One thing I really like about Cyberpunk um, as a series uh, is the fact that its world doesn't... You know how, obviously, sci-fi and fantasy are often 
put together as as these two genres that kind of have very similar sort of ideas mm. where like in sci-fi like for, for example mass effect has biotics basic it's basically magic mm. like i feel like cyberpunk doesn't do that i feel like cyberpunk very much has its own distinct kind of this is how things work and the characters feel like they feel gritty isn't the right word but like they're going around grabbing whatever they've got like like driving around in these kind of half constructed vehicles um like raiding these these sort of forgotten ruins which are like just old skyscraper buildings Mm. that it it it's got those familiar sort of Oh yeah, I recognize how this feels, but it's it's still like it doesn't it doesn't overstay its welcome in terms of oh this is the same thing I've kind of encountered, which is obviously you know one of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of D and D is the fact that I feel like a lot of the stuff there, due to the fact that it's been around for so long, mm. is kind of like derivative and like oh okay like this isn't really anything hugely original whereas i just think cyberpunk and red in this example has some really cool ideas like with the way that net running works um that just make it stand out yeah i quite like how um <clears throat> to add to that as well i quite like how the like setting that they have is quite focused but has never been really that static mm. like a lot of um like i mean we mentioned D, it's always the the one that we compare to but like D&D is sort of, here's a setting, and then it's like, okay, we'll just make a new setting rather than sort of like, you know, advancing what's happened in this place. Mm. Because a lot of the time people make up their own stories and characters will change in, in different ways from each other. Whereas, you know, Night City is almost like the the, the extra character in the party because it's like, it's always progressing with each thing they put out. Like, there's there's been wars, like parts of the city have been destroyed. And you mm. can sort of like... Uh, play through that and get sort of familiar even if you're jumping from like source book to source book it feels like you're always kind of like playing with the same materials in a different light and and uh progressing through the story as time is moving on um which is quite cool and mm. you don't really see that all that much mm. and because of the nature of of the setting and the fact that you've got red this year it's given you know the creators like you know cody um uh, and Mike like uh, an opportunity to kind of make things obviously it's not 2020 anymore it's like farther in the future but they're obviously still drawing on on you know uh, topics that are important uh, at the moment like and that's the way that cyberpunk should be it should be you know like commenting on things that are happening now but in a in a way that is you know like bizarre or absurd or Mm. in that manner so yeah it's also important to bear in mind that technically they're using this edition to fix cyberpunk i mean if if you argue it's broken because you know people easily forget that 2020 wasn't the last version of cyberpunk the last edition was v3 and people did not like it um so now (laughs) cyberpunk is is actually skewed back more toward the 2020 edition which i i think is quite intriguing Mm. yeah Uh, let's stay on a an RPG trend. Let's chat about Deadlands, which is another game that we've all played. Well, Deadlands: The Weird West, specifically. I'm oh. spinning. I'm spinning up Johnny. As well. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly vibrating. <laughs> um, I mean, if you want to talk about an RPG that's fixed itself, 
boy, oh boy, has Deadlands the Weird West finally dealt with that horrible tonal problem in which the um, the CSA, the Confederate States of America, still existed as a thing. Uh, but the game itself was like, no, Deadlands is not a racist world. It's like, there definitely is racism in this world if the CSA still exists, lads. But um, through via the medium of um, creative writing and time travel, um, thankfully they've now changed it so... Uh, uh, the Union just won the Civil War, so that's nice. Um, but yeah, Deadlands the Weird West is like, is the most, is is the first new edition in, I want to say like 14 years or something like that. Um, still running on Savage Worlds, but it's great. It's like, it's a really lovely book. It's really well thought out. And I love it a lot. I mean, Deadlands will always feel like home to me because it's the first RPG I ever played. Uh, but yeah. This is this is undoubtedly the game I've played the most of this year because I've been playing in one campaign and running two others. Um, so that's a lot, but that's because it's dead good. Done. Dead good. Huh? <laughs> yeah. No, I I definitely want to get my own copy of the new edition. And like having gone from Reloaded to Weird West, like obviously I don't notice huge amounts of changes because I'm not running the game so much. Uh, you know, but I have noticed that things have been streamlined thanks to the fact that it's based on on the new Savage Worlds. Like it just cleans some things up, mm. um, the way that certain skills work, etc. But yeah, it's good. Done. It is, it is good. I agree. <laughs> All right, cool. Good game. Uh, let's chat about uh, what should we chat about next? Why don't we <sighs> talk about Baker Street Irregulars, Wills? It's time for you to tell us about your time in Victorian London as one of the scouts. Sorry, I was putting the cat out, but I'm back now. Hello, Baker Street Irregulars. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I literally just wrote up, because we're, we're doing a video on, on our favourite games of the year as well. I've literally just wrote up the script, so it's fresh in my mind. Um, but, my God. Uh, oh, God, I'm bleeding as well. Okay, never mind. That's fine. Uh, sorry, cats. Um, <laughs> this is dramatic. So, <laughs> so, yeah, Baker Street Regulars, um, for a little bit of context, uh, this is part of a long-running series called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which is a set of four now boxes, um, each containing sort of ten cases set in the Sherlock world, but completely original, um, maybe like inspired by original Sherlock stuff, but not necessarily... Uh, actual sort of carbon copies and you play through them as a sort of choose your own adventure book style um so you're kind of like looking at a, a big old map of london that comes out of the box that you spread out across the table and everything is just completely littered with numbers you select a number and uh you turn to that part of the book and it will give you information so this is a series that's been running for a long time a lot of people who are into detective sort of games have have hailed it as like one of the best um so that series has been sort of written by basically the same people up until now uh where a new sort of kid on the block dave neal um who is a, a massive uh sherlock fan i think it's like a, a doctorate in something uh smart man but is is uh basically like a um a, a real sherlock aficionado uh came in sat down with this long established series that everyone thought was great and and just made it a hundred times better like it must have been really daunting to sit down with something that's so well loved and and so many people like uh, and to just completely revolutionize it with such subtle changes but also just the quality of writing in this box is in, is incredible and something that i don't shy away from in both the review that we've already put out and um the sort of micro version that we're going to put on the youtube 
channel for the game of the year list um this is some of the best tabletop writing i've ever read it is absolutely fantastic and if you haven't played it yet just just go out and grab it because it will sort you out for multiple multiple weekends every case apart from i've said this a few times but apart from maybe one is it just keeps getting better and better and better uh all the way up to the epic like finale where you play the 10th case and it's like in a culmination of all of the things that have been sort of working in the background of every other case as time has been moving on in between each one and you're you're scrolling for all of the previous newspapers that you had in previous cases looking for clues and it's it's just incredible um like i can't i can't stress enough how great it is uh, and i need you all to buy the box and play it so we well, can you said you were gonna you said you were gonna lend it to me but then i guess we haven't been in this yeah we haven't seen each other <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe i'll post it as a christmas that'll be present. lovely all right hey. i will pay yeah. for the postage happily no, no, no it's true it's my gift to you dad oh <laughs> festive cheer thanks that wasn't on the bingo card. No. <laughs> wheels being nice what what's going on <laughs> i mean it could have been on the bingo card <laughs> don't reopen old wounds yeah. I'm really intrigued to play this because I've, I've played original consultant detective um, the Yastari like box from way back when mm. um, and then I played a couple of the new rebooted ones which I think are the is where the four sets mm. are yes um, and I've I've always enjoyed them, but the writing has always just been a little bit stilted in parts. Like yeah, it's just tell. it's just kind of serviceable in the other books, isn't it? It's like... yeah, and some of it's translated from French, and I think the yeah. localization wasn't particularly. It was quite you know straightforward in that they took the the very literal meaning of some sentences, but it loses a bit of the flavor. Mm. Mm. Um, so the fact that this delivers on that, but with the the kind of writing chops to see it all the way through, is is really exciting because those those games are just great. They're really good yeah. mysteries. They're very straightforward. Yeah. So to you know to, to the point where so um, the reason I I sort of requested this book from the publisher uh, to give it a look at and maybe do a review of is because I was thinking about doing a sort of like oh why why you should play consulting detective series but then I was like well I haven't really like I haven't played a huge amount of consulting detective I've only done like one or two cases every now and again from different books so I might as well like grab them and, and go through them and say you know which is the best which one you should start with and all that kind of thing and I played consulting detective first because it was the uh, sorry I played Baker Street Regulars first because it was the new one. And now I can't go back to the other books because they, they just sort of pale in comparison oh, wow. a little bit. Yeah, it's it's that good where um because I play it with my partner and, and we just we just sat down, we we finished a case from the other boxes and we're like, that was fine, mm. but oh it's not Baker Street Regulars, is it? <laughs> I mean this has been a very good year to just sit down with another person and really puzzle something out. Yeah. I've had a great time playing a detective and modern crime board game this year. Um mm. Because that's some really good pot boilery stuff where you're pacing the room, being like, "We know it's this guy, but how is he doing it?" So, although I'd say <laughs> this year's release, which is sort of Detective Modern Crime Ball Game Season One, if they, as they've sort of taken it into uh, a smaller, lower cost, but sort of, I think the idea is more regular format. Um, two mm. of the cases uh, are solid bangers, uh, but the middle case is god awful. Like it's it's tripe. We were sat there going like, I can't believe this made it made it past even the 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 pitch phase. Uh, so that was that was a bummer. But apart from that, yeah, detective also very good for sitting around and just using your noddle a bit. Mm, yeah. It's, another another thing to to point out as well is that you know these these ca- boxes and cases and stuff, whether it is detective or uh, or consulting detective or anything else with the word detective in it um you can play them with any number of people right because it's 
you're all just collaborating on something. There's no like, oh, here's your role and here's your role. Oh, sorry, we don't have enough. You can play them solo. You can play them with just like, a, you know, your your wife or partner or whatever, or you can play them with like uh, your family members. You can play them over video calls and just read things out to people. So actually, it's a really good lockdown game mm. as well. Um, so for for it to pop up this year, fantastic stuff. Mm. All right. Uh, I'm going to jump in here because we've been <gasps> chatting about storytelling. Mm. And I'm going to bring up Pandemic Legacy Season Zero, oh, yeah. uh, which was my pick for Game of the Year. Uh, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because I was, I I really love the Pandemic Legacy series. Um, so this Season 1, Season 2, and now Season 0, which is a prequel. Um, and they've always been really fascinating in terms of the gameplay, the way that they add things over the different months that you play and they kind of unfold surprises. But those surprises have generally been more on the kind of gameplay side. You know, the the stories are in there, they're kind of interesting enough, but it is, it's a kind of post-apocalyptic, you know, world that's been ridden by disease and you're still trying to do the pandemic thing in most respects. Um, some of that changes, but it doesn't get too far away from that. But the thing that really surprised me about Season Zero and that I was really kind of... I went in thinking this this will probably be fine, you know. It's the third one of these. They're always they're always great. Um, like they know what they're doing, like Rob Davio and Matt Leacock. Um, but I was most surprised by how much I enjoyed the story and how much I was actually really invested in that world and that kind of storyline. Um, so this is a prequel. It takes place in 1963 specifically it's the 12 months of 1963 so it takes place uh several decades before season one and season two and so there's unfortunately just thinking that's a a lesser known version of the 12 days of christmas the 12 months of 1963 (laughs) carry on um but the i think particularly this year it's quite fortuitous that the at the beginning of the game you're not trying to stop a global pandemic (laughs) which I can I can understand why people maybe don't want to go near the pandemic series at the moment, but it is more spy thriller than it is kind of like a medical emergency. Um, you know, there's there's still that in the background. There are still elements of that um, without going too far into spoilers. Like this, that still comes up. It's still part of that universe. It still ties back to that kind of core theme. But most of that game is spy thriller stuff, and it pulls it off really well. You know, it doesn't just feel like, oh, now the cubes are these little kind of agents carrying attache cases. You have to create teams, you're working as CIA agents, but you you can't stay in certain cities because your cover will be blown. You get little passports. It, it, it kind of feels true to its theme despite having the name Pandemic on the box. It doesn't just feel like, oh yeah, we've kind of just renamed these cubes. Five KGBs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, we, we played the demo on TTS quite recently for the, mm. for the video channel, and it is, yeah, it's, it's bloody lovely. We finished that recording, and yeah. I was instantly on WhatsApp to my friend going, look, I know you're interested in this too. Why don't we go halves on a copy? Because it's just, yeah. it's just really, like, the nice thing is that it's, it's ending the sort of Pandemic Legacy series on such a high because I think, mm. you know, a legacy game, when you get onto the third one, you kind of have to assume that there's an element of diminishing returns there. But instead, like, boom, here's the 1960s, baby. Um, which I just think is... <laughs> Austin Powers. It's, oh, no. <laughs> it's so... I mean, it's just so... 
it's such a bold move, but they really make it work. And the fact that let's let's not split hairs here. You are assassinating people as part of your normal duties. Yeah, that's mopping them yeah, up. Yeah, it couldn't be more mm. different than pandemic normally, you know. And yet here we are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. To be fair, like the pandemic series now spans a lot of genres because that's like, it's, true. I think one one thing that like is always. Uh, you know, carried throughout. It's just the the core mechanics of Pandemic, no matter how much you change them, are just really solid. Yeah, like, it's it's why it's such a classic. It's why so many people own the base copy, but it's also why there's just so many different versions of it. Because mm. it doesn't matter if you're fighting off barbarians in the Roman one, or like trying to take down Lovecraftian monsters, or whatever. Like that that core gameplay loop is so good. Mm. Um, so that's what that's what really excites me about the Legacy series for it as well, because they can just build on top of that. Um, I remember seeing someone say that you know because Risk Legacy was the was the one sort of that predated that, mm. um, and it's like building on top of that was cool, but you're still playing Risk, which kind of sucks. <laughs> so like to to play on top of <laughs> Pandemic was you know was uh, was a, a welcome change. I can't remember who that quote's from, by the way, but I'm sure it was someone very cool and important. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I completely yeah. feel like King's Dilemma. I've played a lot of that this year, even though it came out last year. Mm. God, what a mm. game! Mm. Having uh, played uh, season one this year, like it just makes me very excited to give two and specifically zero a go, just because of seeing how you know gameplay can be evolved through you know the in within the same game in such a dramatic fashion. Like you know you have games that do have like you know oh, this is the beginning but it sort of builds up from here like like deck builders or engine building games like that's their conceit like they start from a certain point but then things change as like new elements are introduced but like legacy games pandemic season one does that in such an interesting way i've never experienced a board game like that and like the fact they've managed to do it for free games and to have this last one be as good as you say is Matt it is really exciting and I think it's great to have that series you know that's that didn't start legacy games but basically started them like you know end in such a great way hmm. I think it's worth saying as well it's it is a prequel I think you can you can easily dive in with season zero if you've not played any of them but I mm. think it's strongest in terms of its story when you've played the other two and mm. you have that kind of forward knowledge of events that happened because there were moments where I was like, oh, I recognize that um, from the other two seasons, which I didn't expect at all because, was, like I say, there's say, like, how, are... how much of a prequel is it? Like, does that, it still have that sort of, like, is there like a lot of dramatic irony and like things being set up and stuff? Or is it just yeah. kind of like, oh, it's just in the past? The, there's, it starts out, I won't go too much into spoilers because I think half the fun is discovering those little ties, mm. but it doesn't feel detached at all. I okay. think that's that's what's impressive about it. And it manages to do it in a way where that story, they've introduced the kind of scenario book where you, depending on if you achieve or fail certain objectives or to what degree you achieve them, you will read different entries. And so it manages mm. to branch out and go broad rather than just having, you know, a kind of single through line and then, oh, it splits at the end, um, which is kind of what the other seasons did. There's more variety there, but it manages to bring it all back in a way that feels... It sets up the other two seasons really well. And in a way that actually kind of meant something, having been through those games, being like, oh, like I'm seeing why this was, you know, how we got to there at that point, but 40 years in the past. 
um yeah i think it's it's really good and i think genuinely it has some of the best storytelling in a board game i don't think it's the it's not as dense with text as something like sherlock holmes but i think what's there is really well done and it tells a really kind of solid story that doesn't just feel you know like it's just servicing better gameplay mechanics yeah from from the from the little snippet we saw as well it, it doesn't look like it overstays its welcome the writing as well because i think no. there's a lot of these very sort of like word heavy games where it's like okay now you get to read an entry see you in 10 minutes <laughs> like it's <laughs> they they, yeah, they needed an editor you know whereas like i think with with sherlock and and with this from what i've seen of it as well like they know not to overstay with welcome and just just get that you know bitey small paragraph to to make you go ooh, okay and then carry mm. on mm-hmm all right. Uh, speaking of seasons, finding a tangent onto our next game. Uh, Johnny, you played Blood Bowl season two earlier. This oh year. yes, I did, and it's bloody glorious. Um, I mean, like Blood Bowl has always been great. I, I will say this is the first time I'd actually played the tabletop version, but I played the PC version, uh, the second PC version, rather quite a bit, and I've played a hell of a lot of Blood Bowl Team Manager. Uh, which is like a, a deck builder and um, it's a card game, but it, it really helps capture the kind of the chaotic nature of Blood Bowl where, you know, you pile in and you're on a tear and you're like, I'm going to absolutely smash this guy into the ground and then my my runner is going to make it to the end zone and score a touchdown and then you trip over your own feet um, and you cause a turnover. <laughs> it's just, it's it might be my favourite Games Workshop game now, to be honest with you, because... Um, wow. When I started out, I went big, and we got big Age of Sigmar armies, and then we were spending all day smashing these enormous lists into one another. And uh, then when I played Warcry, I was like, "Oh, skirmish! This feels more my tempo. This is kind of more tit for tat and yada yada yada. This is still great fun." And then I played Blood Bowl, and went, "I think this might be what I've been looking for the whole time because it's so mm. silly, but also there are moments of just incredible excitement, and it's just like it's quite a." A good simulator of those moments in sport where you just go oh, 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 oh and then suddenly you know everything's um you know turned upside down and it's a game where you can use a trained troll to throw a goblin down the field but you have to roll a die to make sure it doesn't eat it first because if it because it's always hungry if you roll a one it's going to try and eat it um so I'm, like when i was first sort of going back over the rules I was playing against myself and i was having a blast i was playing like Playing a war game against yourself sounds so tedious, but I was like, I was like, oh, okay, all right. I think the orcs are really going to score soon. Um, and then I picked up this gobbo with the ball, and I was like, here we go. And then the troll just went nah, 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 and ate him, and I was, I couldn't stop laughing. It was amazing. So yeah, big fan, good stuff, and the models yeah, are lovely. I've only played the oh sorry, yeah, the models are gorgeous actually, especially the ones that we saw on, especially of your paint jobs as well, oh, wow. um, that we saw we saw on the Thursday streams. Um, uh, especially those lovely little toppers that you put on the bases. Mm. Um, but yeah, I um, I've only played the video game version of Blood Bowl, but I really want to try this because so it's um, it, it seems to. I think one of the main reasons that people seem to prefer the um, video game version over the tabletop one was it kind of streamlined a lot of the sort of slower elements. But like from what I've heard of this new season, it seems a lot more zippy, a lot more um, sort of a lot less, you know mathematics behind the scenes don't count. yeah i mean to be honest with you like you know your movement is squares so you don't have to get a tape measure out for that the only yeah. time you need a tape measure is when you're throwing um and you know that's quite a, a high excitement moment anyway so um yeah it, it, it like it zips along compared to any other tabletop game like compared to you know say like age of sigma it's lightning fast 
Um, so even in its slow moments, it's not that that slow, and it's mm. just it's just funny. Like I'm sh- I'm sure that there are elements like if you're in a tournament and you're absolutely eating it, that's not fun. But even losing at this game is like a good giggle. It's just high yeah. chaos, and I think that's really lovely. All right, uh, I can't move out of the high chaos remark because now let's talk about Fort, which isn't chaotic, <laughs> but it's just kind of cutesy. Yeah, it's mm. lovely, and it's also Alex Meehan's pick for game yeah. of the year. Yeah, uh, I love Fort so much. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get to play it when this lot played it at Pax Unplugged, I believe. Mm. Um, last year but i remember them coming back and just they couldn't stop talking oh we were just running around like headless chickens all day after we played that it was great they 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 just couldn't stop talking about fort and i was like okay what what's this game and you know we knew it was on the radar and lucky enough i managed to pick it up for the review and oh my goodness i'm so glad i did because fort is literally like one of the most perfect games designed for me because I love deck building games so much. I love the feeling of of progression of like, okay, I'm starting out with this, this, and then, but I'm now gaining more access to this. And it's that satisfying feeling of like slowly accu- accumulating like more options uh, throughout the game of, of being able to gather more points. And um, I've never played a deck building game that your hand is so small and yet there are a lot of options available to you, but they're like so esoteric that you're kind of amazed by by this. Like um, I've, I've mostly played it two player and despite that fact, like it's still such an enjoyable experience. Like. I think later games and I have a very mixed relationship <laughs> because I love Root and I love Fort and obviously like Vast. Not you so love much. Vast. What are you talking about? <laughs> Come on. Oh, that game. Um, but I just really think they... we're not talking about Vast. <laughs> <laughs> I think they've scored such a blinder with Fort because, like, the theme, for example, I just can't believe it wasn't their first pick because it just fits so much with what you're doing. Like, the the whole idea of, oh, this is my friend, but actually, no, that they're my friend now. Mm. Uh, I think that's so both cruel, but also incredibly charming. Mm. Like, and just that mechanic of your cards don't, you don't hoard your cards. You don't keep them to you. They're like... They're like living beings that are kind of existing outside of you and then other people have the chance to kind of grab them for themselves. Mm. And it's just a game that really encourages like player interaction in a way that you don't expect. Like you expect that from a game like Root because, you know, it's asymmetric and its factions are built to bounce off one another. But you don't expect it in a game like Fort, which at its core is just a, a... fun deck building game but its best elements are when players are interacting with one another and like seeing oh what what are you doing over there okay i'm going to take this card because i know that stops you from from continuing that uh that you know a tactic of of grabbing victory points and yeah i just think it's such a simple game that has so much potential 
and whenever I've played it, I've always enjoyed myself. And it's definitely one that I will keep coming back to in the future. Mm. Just for the way it looks, the way it feels to play. Like, I just want to share it with people so much. Uh, and I can't wait to do that next year. Um, so, yeah, Fort's really good. Mm. <laughs> uh, weirdly, so some of my friends having, you know, I, I talked it up, obviously. One of them bought it because he really loves later games. Um, and then they played it and they were like, yeah, it's fine. Like, we think we need to give it another go, really, but we didn't love it. And now I'm desperate to play it again. So I'm like, no, 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 I need to show you that you're wrong. I need to I need to show you that actually this game's wonderful. And, uh, you know, I need to show you the error of your ways before you decide that it's crap and you never mm. want to play it again. Like, they think Raccoon Tycoon is, is rubbish. And I'm like, uh, but it's not. Mm. I saw that, yeah. Matt. I saw that tiny head tilt. <laughs> I, like, I like Raccoon Tycoon. I gasped. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought that was a. Meh, it's okay. No, no, yeah. no. I really yeah. like Raccoon yeah. Tycoon. You thought that was a Jarvis subtle. Um, well, they're I, uh, wrong. I've still only played Fort that one time at PAX, and it, it's killing yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Same, oh, no. to be honest. It's in the office. I played it loads over the summer. I've got a copy here, mm. but I just haven't, I haven't cracked into it yet. I need to. Yeah. It's just. I, like I, it it hurt me to leave that copy in the office because I've had I've had that copy since I got it, like this summer. I've been hoarding it, and then I finally was like, okay, I better bring this back to the office. But it's it's definitely one that I will keep coming back to in the future because it's lovely and portable. It looks amazing. It's easy to learn. This is the classic. It's easy to learn, but it's... It's hard it's to master. It's hard to master. It's got a lot of depth to it. And I love games mm. like that. Like, it it just really... I just love it. I mean, props it. to you for returning it to the office, to be honest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have... Yeah, <laughs> yeah are we, I mean, are we doing that now? I am now? absolutely <laughs> livid that I didn't take Set a Watch home with me when when we went home for the first lockdown. Because I, mm. I physically need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss Set Watch a lot. I haven't played it in so long. I I put Fort there in the office so that Wills could play it. Oh, <laughs> but I didn't I even know. know. <laughs> I, I, I had it there in the office when we filmed. All right. Oh yeah, no, of course you did. Oh sorry, yeah. no. Yeah, I thought you brought it back. Oh no, mind. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. It's all right. <laughs> Unfortunately, think... the only person that I have available to play games with me doesn't like deck builders so i'm i'm kind oh. of screwed to be honest i think it's it is worth saying like me and you said this at the start like the theme makes such a difference as well like it's yeah. it's refreshing to see something that isn't just another like militaristic yeah. Yeah. like you're building power it's all about just kind of making friends like yeah and it, that it, it's funny that it began its life as like that mm. like it was originally meant to be a roman military inspired game i believe and then it kind of went back into the drawing board and came out like this and the theme is just so oh you don't expect it it's just it's cute but it's not like it's vicious as well oh, it's, yeah. yeah it's also it's also incredibly vicious where you're you're like i can't believe you just stole my friend from me <laughs> yeah it's like being on the playground yeah, like, it is. One moment it's like, oh, everyone likes me. I'm sorry. And then suddenly they all walk off to the person next to you and you're devastated. Yeah, yeah because they've got glue. Yeah. <laughs> as, soon, got, as soon as you said it was vicious. They've got toys and pizza. 
As soon as you said it was vicious, I just remembered I have played it a second time on the live stream mm-hmm. with both Alex's. And yep. yes, it was vicious. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I got believe absolutely I won that annihilated. One. So oh my god. I don't have a better transition than saying this is also a game spelt with four letters, but let's talk about <laughs> Egon. I'm sure there's forts in ancient Greece, Matt. Oh yeah, that's probably a better way. Of no, no, uh, Aegon, it's got four letters. That's how. That's the only way. <laughs> only way I will acknowledge it. Uh, Aegon, I guess, Aegon, I still don't know how to how it's meant I, to be. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I I guess we're gonna have to start speedrunning these. I we've prefer still got quite a few Aegon. To go. mm. Yeah, I think Aegon sounds nicer, but mm. I have no idea what it actually is supposed to sound like. But um, but Aegon is the um, the re. Master, it's not really a second edition, I don't think. It's more like a sort of rejigging of uh, the game that was originally called Aegon. Um, but it's uh, it's been sort of like remastered and and uh, and fine tuned, and obviously is a lot prettier now, uh, which is why it made its way into our most beautiful RPGs list mm. on the YouTube channel. Oh, um, but yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's got all of those fantastic design sensibilities that you expect from a, uh, a John Harper game, and it's it's just sort of it's just really good <laughs> I thought you were just pronouncing it different again I thought you were pronouncing it Agile <laughs> I was like what I thought we just agreed uh, on Aegon uh, that tickled yeah. me it's great and we played it with John we should Harper, call it Aegon I barely kept my cool I was mm. yeah he was squealing I genuinely was <laughs> like I was I, like he's one of my you know like RPG heroes piggy. Thanks so much. Well, he is, is. he is like, he is a bit of a legend. Like, um, and I, I, I do always want to like point out um, with Blades of the Dark and with Aegon, Sean Nittner, also very good and did a lot of the work on the book because I think, I think John's name is very well known now. So yeah. it means that Sean sort of like gets pushed to the side a little bit sometimes. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're, they're both very, very good designers. Um, and so many of the sort of mechanical ideas that they've had have spawned so many other things in the RPG world. So I think, you know, there's there's almost a lot to be thankful for from the from the games they put out. Um and of course, you know, they they've worked from other ideas that have been made and, and fine-tuned them and stuff like that. But what one of my favorite things about John Harper RPGs, because he is a graphic designer as well, you see all of the uh like the way that he maps out systems and, and shows you visually how they work, especially for someone like me who sucks at reading, is is really, really, really uh, welcome. Um, because I think it, it's such a good way of um, showing how something that only ever really works in your brain um, actually sort of like looks on a page and, and really allows you to sort of like flow through the maps of it. Um, which makes it great for for people who have not played RPGs before as well and they can jump in and, and get uh, fine, fine-tuned and attuned to it. Mm, it's it's the game that I have wanted to go back to uh, since we played it with um, John and Allison. Like I had We've such tried. fun time just <laughs> de- declaring like I will take on this challenge. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's I think it's just a it's a really fun take on role playing. It feels distinctly different from a lot of you know a lot of stuff out there because of the way that you're declaring before you even roll and things like yeah. that. It just it feels fresh and it feels like it 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 leans into the heroics that everyone wants to do in role playing games but sometimes mm. come off as a bit generic or like a yeah. bit trite because it's like oh yeah you're the you're the great heroes but here it's part of that narrative mm. it's like well of course we're the great heroes we're here mm. to declare that to you and then solve your yeah, problems it's super collaborative as well <laughs> yes yeah absolutely 
I love uh, the way that the roles work and that you can just build on top of each other's stuff. And yeah, it's it, yeah. it almost feels like a, a blend of that kind of storytelling and, and RPG genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I do the next segue? Yes, go for it. From a four-letter title, oh. we go to a four-word title. <laughs> what? The That's about as good as mine. I'll give you that. <laughs> oh, wow. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> Tell us about Thousand-Year-Old Vampire. Go, Wheels, go. Yeah, Thousand-Year-Old Vampire is fantastic. <laughs> and if we're going to talk about beautiful RPGs, this is probably one of the most beautiful RPGs of all time. Uh, it is absolutely gorgeous. got this incredible... Uh, almost like scrapbook aesthetic, but like cursed medieval scrapbook that has existed for countless hundreds of years uh, and has, has just been like battered and, and left in libraries and scrawled in by a by a sort of like uh, monster that's losing its mind. It's just absolutely incredible. And that that whole aesthetic is is um, very appropriate because that's completely the the uh, theme of the game. You know, you're playing as this, this vampire, but like the, the idea isn't just that you know, you're part monster, part man, but you're also like, <laughs> you know, what what does the toll of living through a thousand years have on a person? Uh, and just that idea of like losing your humanity and losing your memories. And, you know, we, we did a live playthrough, myself and Johnny, um, where we played this amazing uh, bisexual Grecian pirate uh, who was just fantastic but had such a bitter end. It was <laughs> such a somber way to end it, but it was like, yeah, like they've lived for a thousand years. Did you think they were going to go out in a in a party? Like, <laughs> mm. Yeah. All right, well, hopefully this won't be a bitter end, but finally, let's talk about Gloomhaven, <laughs> Jaws of the Lion, before we say goodbye. Where, where, where? <laughs> Who's excited about Jaws the Lion? It, right? Me. Yeah, we've. I've not played it. Will's oh, played it. I've not played it either. Oh, really? It's not played it. So. I've played three scenarios, which means that I have done part of the tutorial. <laughs> 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 um, it's good. It's Gloomhaven, but for babies. <laughs> not for babies, <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's Gloomhaven oh, wow. for for people who have never played Gloomhaven before, and also maybe are not ready to to pick up a box that is heavier than their house. Um, so it's like, you know, it's it's a little bit more so, streamlined. I love the flip book. The flip book's great. You flip a page, there's the map, there's the monster spawned, done. Uh, yeah, um, that sold me. Anything to stop the 20 minutes of setup required for every scenario, yeah. please. My absolute favourite thing, which is really dweeby, I think I might have said this before on another podcast, my favourite thing is that it's got this sheet of paper at the top of the box when you open it. It's like, hey... There's a lot of things in this box. You might not be ready for that. So here's a comprehensive guide of how to put the game away before you even start playing. So that when you do play, you take like three or four things out and you're good. And then you put them back in and it's still ready set up. And it's it's really refreshing, especially after playing like fantasy flight games where it's like, oh, here's four million components and here's a cardboard box that we've made slightly yeah, smaller. cardboard <laughs> trench. <laughs> have fun with that jerk off thanks for the 60 pounds <laughs> but yeah no wow. it's cool it's nice writing seems good so far i like the characters uh i like that the there's a character called hatchet or is that is a hatchet rather which is it's one of the inox which is the big brutes uh but instead they flipped on his head and he's the ranged kind of like bloodborne hunter style Ooh. kind of figure and he looks absolutely like he's just come out of bloodborne which is quite cool but there you go that's draws the line all right Excellent. Can we I th- do a quick shout out to some of the games that haven't come out this year that we've played a lot 
I just want to say root. Can I just say root and scythe? That's all I want to say. You've said them now. Wanna... It wouldn't be a podcast <laughs> you if you did them on didn't. every yeah. other podcast. Yeah. If you've somehow missed the last 38 podcasts where Scythe and Root have been discussed. <laughs> I just want to say Root and Scythe are really good. Literally I'm... every podcast. <laughs> I'm so happy that I discovered you, Root and Scythe. Can I... so much happiness. Yeah, let's, let's balance Can this Can I give out. a quick shout out to Love Letter, please? And Star Realms, yeah. yeah. Uh, Star Realms. Just like to circle back around to Deadlands. I love you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm all in for root. I'm on the root team. Matt's oh, on the root team. I mean, yeah. Mainly while just... I'm winning, while this winning root, streak continues. <laughs> I just look. I discovered root and scythe this year, and they're two of my favourite games now. So there, there we go. go. All right. Any yeah, shout-outs for your wheels? No. Uh, I uh, don't make me think. <laughs> I've got no brain left. It's it's December fifteenth. <laughs> oh, you're, you're breaking the magic right. of the podcast. Nice wheels. <laughs> Wheel. oh, yeah. I'm gonna have to edit that out. I'm gonna. Beat yeah. What, was was it's... that on your was that on your bingo sheet? Probably because it's... we wrote it oh, after shit. the episode. It's December. Beep. It'd be like one of those Victorian or, or, novels where they put a blank. It'll be Will's going. It's December, and then my voice going. December twenty first. <laughs> oh, for goodness. But... It's worth saying uh, before we close off that obviously we haven't covered every game or every game we've played this year. There are many other great games that came out this year, some of which we played, some of which we didn't play for various reasons. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to cover them at some point. Um, but there's there's a lot of games, if you didn't notice, mm. that came out this year. Um, and there's a lot of games that will be coming out next year, some of which we have already played, um, which might make a, an appearance on our Game of the Year list next year. Uh, <gasps> but we'll have to see what comes out in the next 12 months. <sighs> Imagine um, what our game of the year podcast would be like next year. Probably like, we'll, just we'll, as chaotic. We're probably we'll have, still. We'll have our own award about... show called the Breakies. Uh, we'll <laughs> the Breakies. I, we'll all be in tuxedos in the same room. Just be it's going to be a jar amazing. of dust in the corner. <laughs> in a tuxedo. <laughs> You're like, what do you think, Johnny? I'm just cut. Oh, jar of dust. I genuinely reckon I'll have like just. A, a grey head of hair, like as a natural yeah. grey. Just. I was about to say. Well, I mean, you probably would have dyed it that colour, right? No, <laughs> no. Before anyone makes that assumption, no. All right. Just you know, working with y'all. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. What a note to end twenty twenty. Take that twenty twenty. I have. Um, but yeah, it's. I joke. I love you all. I think it's. I think we can maybe all agree but somebody tell i'm sure you'll tell me if i'm wrong um but it's been it's been a good it's been a strong year for games despite mm. um a lot of games being pushed out this year we've seen some really interesting yes. stuff come out um and a lot of stuff um despite all the challenges um you know when we can go from the crew to cosmic frog to deadlands to pandemic to blood bowl to fort to Aegon to thousand year old vampire that's a that's a huge variety of stuff mm. and experiences. Um, so I don't think there's been any kind of lacking of of interesting new creators and ideas mm. out there. Well, speaking yeah. of new, what a dice breaker! <laughs> Only just gone for our past year, and and the winner of the dice breaker best tabletop publisher slash publication. I meant publication, but I said What's the wrong word. Doing? Award <laughs> is dice breaker. Yes, we, we celebrated yeah, our first sweet. year. We did, mm. and what, what a year! year. But oh, I, what a bloody year! It's been we've done some incredible stuff. Like if people want to catch up on the last year, or let's say the entirety of Dicebreaker, <laughs> which is about a year and a yeah. bit, 
um, you can do so. You can find us on youtube.com slash dicebreaker. You can find us on dicebreaker.com. You can find us on Twitter at join dicebreaker. You can, of course, find us here on the Dicebreaker podcast every week. Um, which and where can... we talk about four and size. <laughs> yeah, where we every talk about real games sometimes in between other things. I can't believe this. <laughs> it's the person who has been playing Love Letter for what feels like the past six it's months game, is having a go at me. Good game. They all yeah, at least she's been playing something. I turn up to every podcast saying, oh, I haven't played anything this week. Yeah. <laughs> but there have been some fantastic games and there will be no doubt some fantastic games arriving next year which we will hopefully bring to you and have a chance to play ourselves but until we return with another Dicebreaker podcast in the year 2021 <gasps> thank you for being here and for being with us all the time Johnny Chiodini you're welcome <laughs> that was Alex <laughs> you're welcome. Michael Wheel and Wheels Wheels Wah, you're welcome <laughs> Alex Meehan you're welcome. <laughs> I've been Matt Jarvis. Thank you for listening. Have a safe, happy holidays. Have a happy new year. We will see you in 2021. Um, but until then, just have a lovely day. Have a lovely year. Yeah. 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 We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.